Good to see all of you here this morning. Glad that you chose to spend your time with us this morning. A couple of things before we get into the lesson this morning. Brian is going to remind us of it as we have the closing prayer, but I just thought I would put a plug in right now. After the closing prayer, go ahead and have a seat. We're going to have a special announcement uh, that we need everybody to be paying attention to. Um, one of, bleh, bah. I'm waiting for my brain to reboot, apparently. <laughs> Life groups, that's what I'm wanting to talk about. That starts today. Uh, I hope that you're all as excited about it as the life group leaders are to get this thing started and going. The elders are excited as we do a little bit, things a little bit differently, getting to get to know each other on a more intergenerational basis, removing that generation bridge and just kind of putting us all together in these groups where we get to know old people, young people, and get the benefits from having all of those ages together in the various levels of experience and wisdom as we work through uh, moments in Samuel's life from 1 Samuel. So if you've been wanting to get prepared and read up on it, 1 Samuel is the book to do so with. I want to remind everybody that this Tuesday is Study with the Elders again this month. Uh, we'll meet in the fellowship hall that Tuesday night at 6 p.m. I think Otis has got his all ready to go for that evening's study. Looking forward to it. And it's outlined in your bulletin article. I know everybody reads those articles because they're written so well. One of the things that the elders have decided to do is that on the first Sunday of every month, we normally do special contribution. And on that first Sunday of the month, for the next year, the elders have determined that that special contribution money will be going toward Hurricane Ida relief. They have a plan for how that's going to go. It's outlined in the bulletin article. Uh, we'll have a prayer for the special contribution here in a moment, but just understand every first Sunday of the month for the next year, those funds are going to go to Ida Relief. I think that we can understand how important that is, can't we? Knowing what we went through in the last year and how, much, how many challenges we had to face in the last year, those folks on the other side of the state are going to have to deal with those exact same challenges and everything else, uh, that this can be a good opportunity for us to sympathize with the efforts that are going on over there. So I, I know that there's various ways that we do the special contribution. You can put it in the basket with a note saying that it's for the special contribution. I even think John Sigmund will just take it straight out of your hand if you want to do it that way. You can also do it online if you're wanting to contribute to the special contribution in that way. But the elders encourage us to prayerfully consider once a month how we want to be a solution to the problem. And we can do that through our finances. So let's pray together over that offering. Father, we're thankful for how you deal with us on a regular basis. You, you bless us richly. And you've given us experiences that we've lived through in this last year that others now are just starting to go through and deal with the challenges, the frustrations, the rebuild. We can sympathize, Father, with that. And so we pray that you would bless us as we endeavor to help those, those folks that are dealing with those challenges from Hurricane Ida and all of the devastation that came from it. Soften our hearts to their plight, remembering that any generosity that comes from us is simply just from your hand we give an outpouring of your heart and compassion and we'd ask that you would bless those funds to be used in a way that will be a blessing to those that are in need but also to shine the light of your son in those communities we ask this father in the name of your son amen
If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn over to Mark chapter 11. That's where we find ourselves this morning. And I want to take you back into hallowed antiquity for a moment before we get into the text. I was about 19 or 20. I had just gotten back from Kuwait, and I had a pocket full of money because combat pay is fantastic. And you can all probably guess what a 19, 20-year-old Marine would do with a pocket full of money. I bought a Mustang, right? And not just any Mustang. I bought a 1993 25th anniversary Mustang GT convertible with the 5-liter motor in it, okay? Looked just like this car that's up on the screen. Black, tan convertible, fantastic car, right? And I love that car. I love getting in that car. I love the smell of that car. I love the sounds of that car, okay? And it was, listen, for those of you that ain't got a car yet, freedom in a can, okay? Right? Am I wrong? I, I encourage you, think about this for a second. Is there anything in this country that is as cheap to run because even as expensive as gas is, that's still the cheapest gallon of freedom you're ever going to buy, right? You fill that tank, and you go where the headlights lead you. And that's what I would do for the first, I think, year after I bought this car. On the weekends, we'd get turned over for Liberty, and if I was, or, for, yeah, weekend Liberty, and if I wasn't driving uh, at completely outside of the law speeds to Montana to see the most beautiful woman I had ever met, I would get in that car, I would fill the tank, I would drive until the tank was empty, I'd fill it again, I would drive until the tank was empty, I'd fill it again, I would do this all weekend. Just going wherever I wanted to go, seeing whatever I wanted to see in Southern California, and felt free. In the purest sense of the word, I would joyride. I don't know how many of us have actually experienced a true joy ride, but that's what it is. And if you haven't, go fill up your tank on your day off and just go drive somewhere. Do it for the joy of it, of being led wherever you're going to go. It's pleasurable, guys. And I think the reason it was so pleasurable for me is that I got to go basically where I wanted to go. And in many ways, I think following Jesus is kind of like that. Oh, it's all a joy ride. Don't misunderstand me. But there, you know, as we're, we're walking behind him and, and we're following in his footsteps and we understand that what David said was absolutely true, that there are paths of righteousness, multiple paths we can take that are righteous and good and pleasing to God, and we get to choose which path we're going to walk down. But there's going to come a point in time in our life when the paths are going to narrow down to one choice, one way. And we have got to make the determination then and there, is it still going to be the choice I make? Am I still going to follow him when that path, and it's an obvious path, is one that I don't want to go down? So that was kind of the case with Jonah, right? From our reading in Jonah chapter 3. Uh, God had said to him a second time, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach the message. See, Jonah had already heard the me that proclamation from God once. For those of you that remember the story, and if you were in my Wednesday night class, 
Yeah, we talked about this last Wednesday night. But this was the case with Jonah. He had been told to go to Nineveh and make proclamation to the city. And Jonah didn't want to do that. So he ran. And understand, I, th- I think there's a lot of reasons, excuse me, about why he ran. Uh, Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. Assyria is becoming a power. There are cruel people. They're going to create problems for God's people here very soon. And when he gets told to go and cry against his wickedness, Jonah says, no. I'm going to run in the complete opposite direction. I'm going to go to Tarshish, and that's where I'm going to hang out. And he met some fantastic men who were on a boat who didn't like him very much shortly after they met him. And they end up chucking him overboard because that's how God had worked that thing. He gets swallowed by a great fish. He gets spit back up. And then later in the story, in Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 10, it says, when God saw their deeds, this is after Jonah has gone and made proclamation, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, that God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. He didn't do it. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. So pay attention here real quick, guys. Jonah didn't want to go down the obvious path that God had told him to go down because he knew how God would act and then said, just kill me. I would rather die than see these people experience the same grace that I experienced through you. I I just don't think this is the right way, so I'm just not wanting to go down there. And he knew the effect that God's word would have on the Ninevites. So I want us to pay very close attention to this before I even get into Mark chapter 11. In our lives, we're going to be faced with certain times when the choice is obvious and there's one path that God is saying, how are we approaching it? Knowing the impact that God can have on people through us. Because the lesson that we're getting from Jonah is that he didn't want that impact to come to the people. But boy, by the time we see Jesus in Mark chapter 11, we see the exact opposite side of the story, right? Look at Mark chapter 11. Let's read together. Mark 11. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. They went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street and they untied it. Some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They said to them, just as Jesus had told them and they gave them permission. They brought the colt to Jesus and put their coats on it and he sat on it. And many spread their coats in the road, and others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest! 
Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. I'd like to submit to you that when you read the story of Jesus, by the time we get to this point in Jesus's life, and while I think there were several paths that were placed before Jesus and he had the options to choose and be righteous as he was doing these things, his life had narrowed to one choice here. Just one. Do I go to Jerusalem or not? And in going to Jerusalem, do I declare publicly that I am the Christ. Because there can be no missing the meaning here of Jesus going into Jerusalem this way, okay? There can be no doubt about what Jesus is proclaiming the minute he gets on that colt, the minute he starts riding into Jerusalem, the minute he allows the people in front and behind to make the proclamation that they are making, the minute the Pharisees will come to him and say, do you hear what these people are saying? Tell them to shut up. And Jesus says, I couldn't keep the rocks from making that statement right now. There can be no mistaking that Jesus is claiming to be the Christ here. And the people understood that. They knew that's what he was doing. And they follow him, they lead him into Jerusalem as the king. You look at Mark chapter 8, and this shows us how all of this is leading into this, right? He says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days, rise again. Mark chapter 9, he was teaching his disciples and telling them, the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him, and when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. Mark chapter 10, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So not only is Jesus making public proclamation of him as the Christ, he is choosing to die here. This is when he makes the choice. He knows that if he goes into Jerusalem, it's death. He's making that choice right now. Not when he's in the garden, not during his trial, but days ahead of time. How very different from Jonah. Both men received instructions. Both men were shown the path. And I'm convinced that neither man liked the path they were shown. And the reason I say I'm convinced that neither man liked the path, it was life for Nineveh, and Jonah knew that, so he didn't like that. And it was death for Jesus. And what do we hear Jesus saying in the garden right before his arrest? God, Father, if there's any other way, any other way to accomplish your purpose here, let this cup pass from me. And God's answer each time There's no other way, son. This is how it has to be. Both knew the power of God. Both knew the effect that his power would have on people. But one chooses to follow 
and the other is forced to follow. I think what we see here in the text and the lesson of what we're looking at of following Jesus as a trailblazer is showing us that at times our, our walk with him Yes, it will be a joy ride, but that's not what the whole picture is about, that it's meant to be a picture of a life of obedience and joy as we follow him. See, even when we're led to a path that we don't want to follow, it's still meant to be a life of joy. As, as we submit to his commands, as we follow him, when we cry out to him, no, I don't want to go there. And he shows us that even... Even, the path, even if it's the most difficult path that we've ever seen in our lives, there's greater glory on the other side. The Hebrew writer says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? This is what the whole theme of this study from Mark is about. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, what was coming on the other side, the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That we've got to be able to look at it when we reach those choices and go, Father, that's not the way I want to go. And he says, it's too bad, son, because you're going there. And we have to have the faith to live joyfully because we see the joy that's on the other side of the difficulty. And man, isn't that hard? Because anytime we're faced with difficulty, what does it do? It just crowds up in our face. We can't see anything but that. Jesus is showing us, take a step back and try and get a bigger perspective on this. Have some faith. Have faith that God is going to see you through this. Faith sometimes, guys, it's hard. And I think it needs to be. Turn back to Mark chapter 9. Here's another great example of finding of an individual finding himself where he just didn't want to be. Boy, I think that we can probably understand everything that he's going through at this point. In Mark chapter 9, they brought the boy to him. This is verse 20. Understand they've come down off the Mount of Transfiguration. There's a crowd gathering there. This boy's got evil spirit. Disciples couldn't cast it out, so they bring him to Jesus. And when he, that's the boy, saw Jesus, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mask, at the mouth, excuse me. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? The father replies, from childhood. It's often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. And sometimes I think we read that phrase from the father and it's almost contradictory, right? I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. And we, and we see it as two opposing ideas that the father is presenting to Jesus. But what he's actually saying here is when Jesus says, all things are possible if you believe. What he's basically, it's the same, it's no different than us when Jesus says, follow me, and you say, I want to, help me. 
I need help. I need the faith to do it. I have the faith to do it. But Jesus, help me follow you. And the beautiful part about the story in Mark chapter 9 is that Jesus is willing and able to help. That when this father cries out, help me in my unbelief, Jesus doesn't just leave him there dry, but heals the boy. Jesus is showing us very practically in Mark chapter 11 that when he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to make this choice to go into Jerusalem. And Father, I'm just going to trust and have faith that your plan will be accomplished and you will do what you have set out to accomplish. And there is joy on the other side. But can I, I can also hear Jesus as a man saying, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. And we see the Father carry him through all the way to his resurrection. Guys, if God will do that for Jesus, will he not also do that for us? But we've got to be willing enough to admit that we need the help. That when we are faced with the challenges and difficulties and we don't want to go where God is leading us, we choose to follow. And we just ask him for the grace to see us through it. There is joy on the other side. We may not even see the joy on the other side. But God will have his effect through us in the lives of the people when we walk with obedience. And this is where we find Jesus this morning. Making the choice to die publicly, making the proclamation of him as the Christ as he enters into Jerusalem. Are we willing to make that same choice every day? Knowing the minute that we get up in the morning and we make that proclamation to the Lord that Jesus is master and that he is Christ, that we've, we've made the choice to die? Oh, maybe not physically, even though that may come, but we put ourselves, our will, to death in order to submit to him every day, knowing that what's on the other side, hey, let's just be upfront on this one. It's a whole lot better than what we're dealing with right here. That's the life he calls us to. That's who we follow. And we do it joyfully. Brian's got a song for us. We're going to stand and sing it here in about 10 seconds. But let this be a time of encouragement to us. That we can choose death and know that life is on the other side as we're held safely in the hands of Jesus. As he has died for the sins of humanity and we take advantage of the opportunity, his death is not the end. It's his resurrection that brings us hope. And that's the hope that we have faith in. And it's that faith that drives us to make the confession of Jesus as Lord before men. It's that faith that causes us to get into the waters of baptism. It's that baptism that frees us from guilt and sin and shame. It makes us a new creation. I don't know how he does it. God's working that thing. I don't, all right? Alyssa, I think, was the last one that was baptized here. She didn't come up looking any different, but I know she was changed. That's God's working. That's God's doing. And for the joy set before all of us, we endure, we live, we follow.
If you're ready to take that step this morning, if you need the prayers of the body, encouragement, counsel from the elders, whatever it is that we can do for you this morning, we encourage you to make it known by coming forward as we sing.